half of chapter 6, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 12 through 20. In your pew Bibles, that's found starting on page number 1134. And my strong encouragement is to keep your texts open uh, while we work through it together. Again, page 1134, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, looking at verses 12 through 20. Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against the body, his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I recently heard an interview with Kobe Bryant, and for those that may not know who that is, that's one of the most famous and best basketball players of all time. Unfortunately, recently, uh, a couple years ago, lost his life very early in a tragic accident. But in this interview, he was talking about when he's gotten teammates uh, that like to party, and they'll invite Kobe to join with him and he'd say okay fine you know I'll go out with you and we'll have fun and I'll even do all of the things that you're doing and he would but then the next morning early he'd be knocking on their door and he'd say okay I hung out with you last night now you're gonna hang with me and bright and early as he always did because what made him the greats is that he outworked everybody else. He would drag them into the gym, and they would work out, and they'd run drills and exercises. And then by the time they got to their game that evening, he would say those players were dragging and were tired. And then he would say he would use that as a lesson. And in his mind, he said, okay, if you want to party, fine. But that's not what we're here for. We're here for basketball. That's what he was there for, to play the game. He was more important, more interested in the game than he was in the fame. And that's what drove him. This text that we are looking at this evening has the heading above, Flee Sexual Immorality. And to be sure, that's a topic that is brought up. But I do think 
that the topic of sexual immorality or that heading can be a little deceptive because Paul is actually, I think, making a bigger, broader point in this text than just focusing on sexual immorality. And in light of that, I struggled with, well, do we build to that point or do we identify it first? And, and that's what I want to do. I want to find the bigger point first and then see why the topic of sexual immorality supports that point. And so uh, that's what we're going to do. Now, if you look back to where we were last week, those last few verses that were highlighted in Pastor Brent's sermon talked about how uh, there were things that people used to do. Uh, some of the people who were in this congregation had been thieves. Uh, there had been homosexuals. Uh, they had engaged in greed and all types of things. But the point was that they had been washed. They, they were justified and they had been called to a different life now. And so the things that they used to do need to be put behind them, and because they had been forgiven by the grace of Christ, they were to live different lives. Building on that theme, what parts of our text echo that idea? The ones that we looked at tonight, 12 through 20. Okay, there we go. In verse 13b and 14, it says, The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. And so, yes, the body is made for the Lord. Your, what you have, again, is not, it's to be used by God. And that, that point is brought home at the end of our text, which is the other one I want to highlight, verse 19b and 20. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And that, you see, is the, the title of the sermon. And I think that's the main point that Paul is trying to communicate here. That you have this body, and the point of it as the point of all of the things that God has given to you, is to give glory to God. To use your time, your gifts, your talents, and your body in order to glorify Him. And the way that we do that should look different from the way that other people live their lives. And the reason he's making that point is because of a broader philosophy that we've talked about before, but was very evident in the church of Corinth which is where they would look at a human person and divide it into two different parts. There's the body and there's the soul. And the soul, the spiritual element of who we are, was the essence of what made us who we are. And so that was supposed to be emphasized, encouraged, and developed. And the body, well, that's just disposable. That's secondary. And with that thinking, this thinking about the body as secondary also split to two different ways of approaching that. The one approach was to try to deny the body, was to fast so that you weren't controlled by your hunger, 
to try to subvert and fight against any kind of natural urges and to be kind of a, a monk. And that's where you see this developed and kind of you would see it in a uh, Eastern religions where you try to escape the confines of the body so that you can get more in tune with the spirit. The other way, and the way that the Corinthian church was dealing with the body was, well, if the body really doesn't mean anything, then indulge. Do whatever you want. The body's just going to disappear. It's meaningless. So whatever we do to or with our body is also meaningless. And so indulge in whatever you want to, engage in whatever you want to, because in the end, it doesn't really make a difference. But Paul is saying that that is one of the things that should be changed. That when you become a Christian, you recognize that the body and the spirit are not two different things. They're not divisible in that same way, but that the Lord, your body is for the Lord. And just as the God raised the Lord from the dead, he's going to raise you bodily from the dead as well. And so what we do with and in our bodies is important. It's not disposable, it's not dismissible, it's to be recognized. And we see that again in our text. The body is for the Lord. You are not your own, you are bought with a price so that your body belongs to God. Which is part of the reason why we said Heidelberg question and answer number one. My comfort in life and in death is that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. It's part of echoing that call to live differently because of what we celebrated this morning in communion. I have been bought, and living for Christ in all that I am should be my greatest priority. Well, if that's the overarching point, now let's see about how sexual immorality illustrates negatively that point and how it, it pulls away from that larger goal. Let's follow the argument. Uh, first of all, one of the major things that we've been doing as we've looked through 1 Corinthians is to do so under the understanding of what happens to the church when worldly thinking and philosophies infiltrate into the church, when we don't live differently, but we try to take the world's philosophies and import them into the church. And we've highlighted that several times, and that's happening again. And that's exactly what Paul does at the beginning of our text. In verses 12 through 13a, he talks about these worldly philosophies. Uh, and, and they're in quotes in the ESV, these things that were used as permission, license to go ahead and sin. Uh, the first one is, all things are lawful for me. And in fact, that's repeated twice. And in likelihood, not only is that a worldly philosophy, but that's also in some ways, and in the right context, a Pauline philosophy. Having been forgiven by Christ, we have been set free. We have been forgiven, and so we are not uh, enslaved by sins anymore. And people could turn that and have turned that and say, so now I can go and sin boldly because Christ will forgive me. Paul says if you, when you twist it in that way, you basically are giving permission to sin. And so his response to that worldly idea of all things are lawful for me is to counter that by saying, well, 
not all things are helpful. And that's true. Again, there's a lot of things, again, with your body that you can do, that you're free to do, but it's not going to help you. Alcohol is literally poison, and the dangers of engaging in that and drunkenness is no good for the human body. Again, atheists can recognize this. Drugs, while they give you a high, will destroy so many of your organs and have destroyed so many lives. Yes, you might be free, but it is not going to be good for you. He's the other response he gives, but I will be dominated, not, I will not be dominated by anything. And this is the truth of addictions, right? When uh, instead of you controlling your choices, something outside of you controls you, where you have to engage. You feel compelled, compulsed to engage in certain activities and do certain things because you are now dominated by that thing. Another one that he quotes is, uh, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. In essence, that means that, you know, God gave us a stomach to eat, and so we should eat. And in the same way, when you deal that with sexual immorality, they are drawing a line and says, God has given us these pleasures and these, these bodily organs meant for this, so isn't that an appetite that has to be filled? And Paul's answer to that is God will destroy them both, uh, suggesting that, yes, God gave us a stomach to eat, but again, it's only a temporary thing, and that's not what we're here for. It's not what we should be living for. I had, and we're going to have to move through this quicker, but I was going to solicit from you some of the phrases that we hear in today's world that act in a similar way, kind of an excuse, a, a reason to sin. And some of the ones I came up with were, you know, it's the year that it is. Come on, it's 2024. The idea being that we live in a new age where we're more enlightened and we need to move on from the old standards of life and live today. Um, you only live once, right? So enjoy the time that you have. Indulge, engage, don't restrain yourself. Uh, this is one that's a little bit more Christianized, but God wants me to be happy. And so if, if that makes me happy, if that makes me feel good, then I should do it. That'll, that is what God wants. And these are excuses and phrases that get incorporated into the church today that uh, people continue to use. We've already kind of looked at 13 and 14 and expending that main point but then he develops that and he connects it to the issue he was dealing with in Corinth. Uh, as Pastor Brent mentioned in the history of Corinth, that city, it was a, a commercial city. And, and part of commercial trade and ships and sailors, but also part of the cultic practices of some of the religious institutions was prostitution. And there apparently were people within the church that were engaging in prostitution, uh, or, or engaging with prostitutes at the very least. And Paul then kind of makes an argument to say, okay, you're part of the church, which means you're the body of Christ. And he had kind of developed that earlier in chapter 1, and he will in other times. It's a theme he goes back to regularly. You are God's hands and feet. You are the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. 
And then he says, Scripture tells us that the sexual act unites and combines two into one flesh. And then he brings those two arguments together and says, so should we be uniting the body of Christ with a prostitute? And his answer is never. Never. What a shame. But again, reminding us that our bodies, that we are a part of the Christ, that is what should be our focus. But let me ask this, okay, that was part of the history back then, the practices of the culture and the the heathen nation of Corinth. Prostitution in and of itself is a particular practice I don't hear much about, so doesn't apply to us anymore. These are truths we don't have to deal with. As long as you don't go to a prostitute, you're okay. Right? Sarcastic. Wrong. Uh, Those problems and those practices continue, and though it may not be with prostitution, it's with any, what he says, sexual immorality, which is the broad definition of any sexual practices that fall outside of the norm of God's design for sex. Which, by the way, is where he's going to go next. He's going to explain what that design is and the positive side of sex. But for now, he's saying to flee from sexual immorality. From any engagement of sexual acts outside of the bond of marriage between one man and one woman. And any engagement before or during marriage with anybody beside your spouse. Any uh, use of pornography where, you know, if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've already committed sin with her. All of those things are the types of things that Paul is addressing in this text. Now, when thinking about living a different life and viewing our bodies differently and using them to serve God, putting those ideas together, you see why sexual immorality in particular is an issue. Paul says it in the text that this is one of the only sins that is a sin against your body uh, in verse 18b. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Now, that's challenging to think about because, again, I reference drug use or drunkenness. Those harm the body, obesity, and there's a lot that you can do against your body. But in that special way that we were talking about, how sex unites two people in a bond far beyond uh, what is just a, a physical interaction, but at a deeper level, an emotional and spiritual interaction, we recognize that that can just destroy lives when done wrong. But furthermore, uh, I think it highlights some of the problems in a, and the ways that when, when that becomes your focus, it warps what God intends from us. And let me just use one illustration. That engaging in, in sexual immorality, when you engage with someone that you're attracted to, do you look at them as, a, a, as someone who might gratify you sexually? Or do you view them as a child of God that needs to know the Savior that you are related to. And when you're driven by this sexual appetite, you're going to treat and address that person completely different than if you view them as someone who needs a Savior that you also have known. 
And so that's a huge part of why this in particular is a distraction from what God had intended from you and for you with the bodies that he has given to you. As Kobe Bryant asked of the players that were distracted by partying and drinking, you know, what are we here for? Again, for him, it was basketball. But let's go back to that question for Christians. What are we here for? And how easily are we distracted from that important goal of living for and serving Christ by the distractions of our culture? And how quickly can they completely pull us away from the people that we are supposed to be and the things that we are supposed to do? Again, it's not that sex is bad, which where he's going next, but it is such a dangerous way from, uh, that can pull us so quickly from the way that we interact with one another and the way that we treat the bodies that God has given to us. So, as he says, glorify God with your body because you've been bought. In light of that, let's bow our heads. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we begin our prayer again with confession. Uh, whether it be because of uh, sexual immorality or other ways that we have abused our bodies or all of the many ways that we have been distracted from being the people that you have called us to be, we pray for forgiveness. And we thank you that that forgiveness is possible. But we may, may we never treat that grace that you have given to us cheaply and use it as an excuse to sin, but free us from sin. Lord, may we use all that we are, our time, our talents, our bodies, in order to glorify you in all that we do. Especially for those that may need help in dealing with this issue, may they be willing to confess and accept the encouragement of others, and may you call us to live lives that are in line with the standard that you have set, focusing on why we are here, to glorify and serve you with the days that we have and with the health that you've given to us. Lord, may we do exactly that in this coming week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.